Many climbers spend the winter hunkered down, waiting for warmer temps and a return to outdoor climbing. During that time, these athletes find it prudent to train hard and get their nutrition dialed in. So if you're prepping for a big training cycle, wintertime or otherwise, in this episode, we're giving you six tips to get the most out of it in terms of both training and nutrition. Get ready to get strong. You're listening to The Average Climber Podcast. Lauren, when I say KT tape, what comes to mind? Um, my massage therapist in Cincinnati that <laughs> covers my back in tape every time I go in there like a hunchback. Like, my neck's really tight. I need to like this. <laughs> wow. I feel terrible. <laughs> I've never had a massage therapist use it. Oh, yeah. I've had my PTs basically put me in a bodysuit of it. Oh, but my gosh. That's a story for another time. <laughs> okay, so KT tape, often used for, you know, like some aches and pains and maybe to help support muscles and joints. Lots of people use it. it had a big moment a while ago in the climbing industry. I don't know. I used to see it all the time. But did you know that it is used for another purpose? Are we allowed to talk about it? This purpose on air? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Whatever our podcast is marked explicit. Anyway. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it all started at the 2018 Olympics. Mm. I shall say the Winter Olympics in Sochi. In no, no when, where was, was that? Actually, in I hope I don't butcher this. Pyeongchang. Oh yeah, um, that's right. And. It was worn by an alpine skier across his nose and cheeks. Oh. And the reason for this is not for pain relief per se, but people were using it more as a shield on their faces where their goggles and masks wouldn't cover. So, wow, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was like a thing that wasn't really talked about. But at the last Winter Olympics, the one that we just had, that one actually, um, people were wearing it more often because the weather conditions were so severe. More and more people started to use KT tape. And what's really funny is the CEO of KT tape was like, hold on. We've never used this and tested it as such. <laughs> However, Maybe don't do that. <laughs> um, clinically, we don't use it for this, but great idea. Love the creativity. Love where your head's at. So a lot of people have been turning to it just because of that harsh weather. And it's actually been now proliferated in the winter sports arena as something that is helpful to create a barrier against cold temperatures that's so, so interesting because i think most people myself included i just have some kind of like neck gaiter that i put right. up over my nose under my goggles but now i'm like maybe i could tape up my face <laughs> and do that but what if i think because of the olympics they have specific requirements of what they can and can't wear i also imagine that when you're 
world-class level skiing any extra fabric that could yeah. be wind resistance you probably it's do not want note. on your face so i think that's likely why yeah you don't see a lot of ski racers with big floppy gaiters on their face so yeah. i will say though because of how sticky kt tape is i'd be a little bit wary of how long you leave it on just because that's a good point it's your skin is a lot more delicate on your face but i thought it was a really yeah, that, that does sound painful. interesting way to use it and there are no studies as of late that i could find where they say like yeah this is a great idea but clearly a lot of athletes are loving it so huh you know what i thought you were gonna go with was that you know when you put the little like wicks nose strips on to make <laughs> breathing better when you're like super stuffed up i thought people were doing it for that yeah i saw probably not really goofy pictures with people with hot pink tape on their noses and cheeks and i was like that's interesting yeah so had to look it up but that's yeah sort of a great segue into yes. what we are talking about today but before then i am caitlin and huh. I am a certified nutrition specialist, and I am here with Lauren. <laughs> it's me. I'm Lauren. I'm not Italian or Mario. I am. Just today. <laughs> just in case you were worried. I am a certified personal trainer and climbing coach, and you are listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. And well, what yeah. are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about big tips you need to understand if you're about to go into a winter training cycle. But before we get to that, we're going to get into some fun stuff. And if you're like, I don't train in the winter, just insert the season you do train in for that. This but is I think applicable. This is, it's applicable. A lot of athletes do use snowy winter months for being inside and getting stuff done. So we'll touch on all of that. But before we get to that, I do want to remind everyone that our super badass group program breakthrough is currently enrolling. And I wanted to remind you that February 9th is the last day to apply to breakthrough and get the $400 off early bird discount. So if you want to learn more about Breakthrough and get yourself in on the group jam, it's going to be so fun. Go ahead and go to the link in our show notes. Check out the info page. And also, if you want a listen toable format for learning about Breakthrough, listen to our last snack break. We give you a full breakdown of Breakthrough. So there you have it. Get excited. I'm so pumped. And the next round of Breakthrough officially gets started on February 20th. So get that early bird application in and save some money um and like we've been doing every week i want to read you our breakthrough testimonial of the week and this is from courtney who was a fall 2021 breakthrough grad so courtney says my favorite part about breakthrough is the holistic approach to physical training nutrition and mindset the program took all three facets seriously and gave me space to reflect on how they interact in my life and influence climbing outcomes in addition, access to the Slack channel was a huge perk of the program. Being able to ask training and nutrition questions and receive quick answers was invaluable. I loved that I could post climbing or weightlifting videos and receive feedback from coaches. Being able to receive support and encouragement from the other breakthrough members in the channel was a source of joy and helped keep me accountable. So, Courtney just loved it, and I loved working with Courtney. Shout out, <laughs> Courtney. I'm still working with her, too. So, Courtney fucking rules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so... All right, now let's get into it. Caitlin, I want to ask you this. What does 
what do you usually do in the winter? Because I know in New Mexico, it's kind of, well, we're, we're in winter in New Mexico right now. And usually Caitlin's like, I'm just out bouldering every weekend and it's like 40 to 65 and sunny. And it's like so pleasant. Yeah. But it's wow, been snowy as I fuck. I ate my words. As soon as Lauren showed up, it's been trash weather. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't lie. And I've just been like, I was like, I don't need to bring my skis to New Mexico. Like we're going to go boulder outside. It's fine. Mistake. And then, Yeah. Little did we know. Yeah, this is the season that I definitely should have been skiing and not bouldering outside. But say la vie. I think the snowpack's going to last a while. And it's fine. But do you... So, Caitlin, are you usually in, like, performing mode in, like, January, March? Or January, February, March? Or are you usually trying to, like, train pretty hard in the winter? I'm usually in, like, big-time training mode because I try to peak in the... I would say like early to mid spring. Yeah. Simply because that's when the places here start to. Especially because you like to go to Roy more. Yeah. Than, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and Roy, I feel like has a fairly limited time frame mm-hmm. when, you know, it's either not balls hot or like ice <laughs> on the crimps. So, yeah. you know, not really looking for either of those conditions, but I feel like for me, this is a really good opportunity to just hone in on my training get some you know focus back in my nutrition and feel like I just have like a mission in place yeah especially when the sun isn't out that long so yeah so the reason we call this your 12-week winter training block is because for many athletes across the United States and beyond winter is a time where getting outside is just a little bit harder it's colder and it's easier to be inside training not for all of you and we will touch on that some of you can escape to the desert or what have you but for many athletes winter is a good time to buckle down and get a lot of really quality training done and shore up some strength for the rest of the year so that is why today we are bringing you Six tips, combination of training and nutrition tips, so that you can get the most out of your 12-week winter training cycle. So, Caitlin, I know we bring up 12 weeks a lot and that both of our programs are structured around 12 weeks of doing stuff. Do you want to elaborate on why you like 12 weeks for getting shit done so much? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you said, I like to do stuff and <laughs> do <laughs> stuff, <laughs> do things, <laughs> do <the> things. <laughs> mostly just because, you know, like I think sometimes when we, we think of three weeks or three weeks, three months as sort of arbitrary, but it's not because usually for me, most success in, in terms of the athletes I coach is observed after 12 weeks. And this is obviously a little bit different from training where I think, maybe those measurable results aren't as noticeable. A lot of it is happening within, um, (laughs) not in the like fluffy woo way, but also like literally within your cells. So it's, it's happening. It's there. And usually this is the time frame for some of those maybe harder to form habits. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's when those have started to sink in or you feel comfortable and you're exploring the habits that specifically work for you. You've sort of worked out the kinks and you're on your way to making more sustainable changes. So this isn't like an overhaul in your nutrition. This is more of a, you know, baseline, a foundation and bringing a lot of awareness to you and what your specific needs are because I feel like anytime less you can still learn a lot but Mm -hmm. 12 weeks is really a way for you to engage in that consistency and making it a priority yeah in your your life 
It so. seems like on the nutrition side of things, 12 weeks is long enough to evaluate, learn what you need to change, start forming those habits, and have those new habits turn around for totally. more measurable or tangible results. Yep. And it's enough time, too, that if you look back to day one, you're like, wow, wow. stuff's different. I Neato. did stuff. Yeah. That's the goal. So that's sweet. <laughs> on the training side of things, usually with athletes, if we're looking for, especially if your goal is to see measurable changes in a substantial way. 12 weeks is typically enough time to see that. I do absolutely think you can see decent results in six weeks and eight weeks. But if you really want to make make, you know, make gains that will last and not just kind of like spike and go away, 12 weeks usually ends up being a good, a good amount of time. Um, that's why I like to work with athletes on a longer term. And also it's part of why I like to at least once a year have like a big beefy 12 week training cycle where I really like hunker down and get shit done. Like for many athletes, just on the broader scale of things, like one 12 week training cycle and then kind of going in and out of performing and not training. And then, you know, getting into maybe some more like six and eight week, like top it off or train specifically for a certain thing. Cycles can be really good, but I just love the one really big aggressive training cycle is really great. So that's why we are talking about it today because it's good to just stay in the training zone so well shall we dive in yes let's (laughs) dive in let's dive in indeed um okay I guess I will start with my first tip these are in no particular order so we have three three tips each um so my first tip is work on big picture weaknesses likely in the winter time you are at a point that is farthest away from you're trying to perform your absolute hardest outside. Kind of like Caitlin mentioned, usually you're probably aiming to be peaking in the spring. Um, Again, if this is not how your life works, swap it for the season (laughs) that it makes sense for you. But you know, insert your time frame here. (laughs) Right. But I like to have winter as the time where I really focus in myself and with my athletes on like, what are the big picture things that just generally are lacking in a climber's skill set? So Do we need to work on mental game? Are there specific skills or styles or habits in climbing we need to check out? Um, And this is especially on the, you know, actual climbing technique side of things. Um, And if you're like, I don't know what to work on. I have no idea what to do. Chances are you probably do. (laughs) Yeah, you probably do. I'm sure, you know, you could talk to a friend or just get an initial evaluation with an in-person coach or do a consult with me or something. And we could probably very quickly analyze two or three things but I'm gonna give you a little exercise that you can do right now you could even pause the podcast and just set a timer for five minutes and probably figure this out so skills you can work on set make it you're gonna make a table one is super comfort zone one so so you're gonna just draw a t on your paper left side comfort zone right side out of comfort zone write down anything that comes to mind. Think about the tempo at which you climb. Do you like climbing slow? Is that your comfort zone? Do you like, just think about anything that you like commonly do in your climbing. Think about mental things too, like top rope. That's fine. Falling off of short boulders. That's fine. Then go on the discomfort zone side and be like, Climbing in front of other people, whatever. Refer back to our episode with Carly if you need ideas about mental game things too. <laughs> so go back to that. But then write down any any things that are in your discomfort zone. Oh, think of hold types. Think of wall angles. All of that. And just take five minutes and go brainstorm. And then after that, look at your paper of your comfort zone, out of comfort zone, and like circle 
three things. <laughs> you'll probably see things like you'll be like, oh, that's a big one or oh, that's a big one. Um, and this is more on the skill side of things. On the strength side of things, most people in the winter, I'm like, no matter who you are, yeah, maybe you need to spend more time on skills. But at the end of the day, it's winter time. Let's get strong. Put some time into getting your finger strength going, get your strength training going. We've done a bunch of content on strength training in the last month. So <laughs> Go look at that if you want to dive into strength training and building muscle more. But that's the, that's, so yeah, that's my first tip. Work on big picture weaknesses and don't worry. I guess my last thing I want to say about this (laughs) is worry about, worry about the big picture things, like I said, and don't get overly worried about specific projects until you get closer to that. So that being said, if you're, going to be getting on a hard project like very early spring then like in the latter six weeks of your training block probably concern yourself with that more but I still think just getting generally good at general areas of weakness is smart for at least part of your training cycle. Do you feel like it's helpful to pick something from all of these realms you know mental physical skill or is it better to do one of these things at a time and maybe like there's some overlap there what are your thoughts I think it depends for some athletes I would say on the mental game side of things some athletes will just have so much time climbing outside by the time that spring hits that they can focus more on the mental game side of things Mm, when they get outside potentially it really depends it kind of depends on you as an athlete if you really think mental game is something you super duper need to focus on Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's kind of hard to say like if you feel like nothing's really mentally holding you back in the gym like if there's nothing in the gym where you really get scared at all or get stressed out then it might not be worth it to try to work on it's kind of it's very hard to say yeah it might be like time and place dependent to like depending on what your yeah like season looks like what's available to you right like here let me give a couple of examples just to clarify this a little bit so someone where in the gym they maybe struggle like in this especially on like lead or with bouldering like if you struggle to commit to moves in the gym while leading or while bouldering and you like won't finish things or you won't try hard or whatever in the gym, you probably should have at least one mental skill that you're trying to work on. Whereas if in the gym, if you're going to have to be spending a lot of time and in the gym, you're like, I can take the biggest whip ever. I will throw to what almost whatever on the bouldering wall, barring that I don't genuinely think I'm going to hurt myself. Like you might not need to focus on the mental skills as much, but yeah, it's really very case by case on that I think there's a time and a place to focus on those things but it just sort of sort of yeah you don't have to be like it depends but if you're having if again if you are having trouble figuring out which things to work on this would be a great time if you're like uh, I think it's all of these things maybe ask a friend a tr- may ask a coach or a trusted climbing partner like if you've made your like discomfort zone list and you're like I think it's these three things someone might be like dude you know you're bad at that like stop skipping over <laughs> that <time>. one <laughs> like you know get get perspective from someone else because sometimes we'll just be like oh my weakness is totally this and that's not a weakness at all and you just keep working on it so mm. it also takes kind of like the more experience you have with climbing perhaps the more self-aware you're going to be with some of these things but if you really aren't sure getting some outside perspective from a coach or a friend can be really helpful so good question Caitlin again but to your point though don't to pick 12 things <laughs> like maybe yeah. don't yeah but maybe it's also helpful to to like 
you know, say for example, you put in the right column, like you're uncomfortable with your, your, your mindset and your mental game. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Is it just mental game? Well, that gives you no actionable. Right. If you say like (laughs) mental game, you need to be a lot more specific than that. Yes. Yeah, I think we like, have an ancient episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have more goals. Oh and all yes, that juicy precisely. Stuff. So listen to that one. But again, mental game. If you're like, I think my mental game needs work, but I don't know exactly in what way. Listen to our episode with Carly. That'll yeah, give you some major ideas. Time. So, but don't just be like mental game because that means so many things. That means <laughs> you're just every day going. I struggle with mental game, and you're like mental that's game. mental game, and you're, I'm like, what does that? What part means nothing? It's yeah. like if I tell you to be healthier, and you're like, cool. What? Is, Ooh, what? Yeah. What is that? So <laughs> yeah, like be specific with these things. So if it's like with skills, is it need to get better at compression? Is it need to work on slopers? Is it vertical climbing is it slab is it being more precise with your foot placement whatever it may be but try to be specific enough that if you came to me with a problem I'd be able to like if you can't be like this is the problem then you won't be able to write any programming for a solution like if you're just like if you just say the word footwork like what about it it's you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so just like be more specific so that when you're trying to figure out what to do to make it better you have a clear vision of what you need to practice and work on so that but tip one work on big picture weaknesses big fan of that oh yeah well i guess mine is sort of on the same Mm. front which is funny because i did not look at your tip one oh i haven't looked at any of your (laughs) i don't listen to you at all no i don't care about anything you say (laughs) um i just wanted it to be a mental surprise for me uh so me too it's fun (laughs) because then i get to learn while everyone else learns yeah this is for us to learn as you know (laughs) this isn't for you god (laughs) (laughs) uh so my tip one is to go back to your basics. And before you hit snooze on this, let me just tell you that this is the time of year when I see many people who are trying to reinvent that wheel when they start a new training plan. So by this, I mean, I'll have athletes come to me and say, I just started a new training plan. It's time to get serious about my nutrition. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And what I think they mean is it's time for me to focus on my nutrition in a way that I have not before because I want my training to go well, which absolutely is a really great time point. Yeah, to work on both your nutrition and training. But I think what people get misinformed about in the media is that this is a time to reinvent everything they've ever yeah. done. Yeah. I'm going to do a new training plan and I'm only going to eat bacon. Yeah. It's Carnivore like, diet. Maybe no. this is a bad time to try that. But yeah. <laughs> but I think this is a recipe for, you know, quote failure because I think when we are trying, you know, training is inherently going to take extra time out of our day it's going to be a stressor on our body whether we think of it that way or not and it's going to require specific nutrition to support it and so I think it's really easy to get caught up in oh well my nutrition also has to be new and sexy but in actuality it probably just needs to be more dialed in and focused up to what works best for you so the basics that I usually focus on and I have my athletes kind of take a step back and just set that foundation 
are calories, of course, consuming enough. Make sure that you're getting enough energy coming in so that you can support the energy going out. You also want to focus on your macros like carbs, protein, and fats because realistically you do need sufficient calories and nutrients coming in. So, you know, what I'm saying here is you shouldn't be restricting calories during your training seasons because that is also not going to help you fare very well. Um, But also there, you know, there's a lot of ways if you're like, okay, well, I hear you saying that, but what do I do? Where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. And what I usually like to suggest is, you know, maybe get your your training figured out, get in a couple weeks, yep. and you'll figure out real quick where your fatigue is coming from, mm-hmm. if you're more sore than you feel you should be. And this is where maybe if you're someone who likes to understand more of the metrics and you're maybe you're analytical, you might decide to track with apps like Chronometer. Or if you're someone who doesn't really want to know that side of things, you can still connect to your nutrition and understand what enough looks and feels like by writing down your daily foods in a just, you know, standard notebook or journal. And then take note of your energy levels, your sleep, your training, and how that feels, how your digestion feels, and whatever else you want to add and make note of. Because this is going to also tell you a lot about okay, I was really sore the last three days. And if I look back at my training and my nutrition that day, maybe there's something I could adjust. So it gives you that ability to bring awareness to your daily diet. And the final note I'll make here about basics and when we're talking about sort of returning to sufficiency, this is a bad time to focus on intentional or maybe it's unintentional weight loss body composition, calorie deficits, etc. So these should all be avoided during this uh, returning to basics, like initial start of training, but also just finding your balance. So I always like to say that because I think we try to do all these things at once. Right. And I also think just kind of adding on to that, I think the way that the... one of my athletes refers to the health and fitness industry that is not climbing related. He calls normal gyms muggle gyms, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is so funny. (laughs) I was like, like you just, I was like, what, where are you going to be able to lift in this training cycle? He's like, I'm going to have access to a muggle gym. And I was like, I completely know what you're saying. Like I understand (laughs) fundamentally everything that just came out of your mouth. Yeah. I was like, well, (laughs) that's just a perfect way to describe that. No, but (laughs) I think one thing, that um muggle fitness <laughs> the muggle fitness space um yeah. kind of indicates is that like being on a new training plan also means time to diet time to diet and be in a caloric deficit and you have to remember that those quote muggle training plans the goals of those are typically for you to build muscle and often like lose weight overall Mm -hmm. and they're not designed necessarily with athletes who have sports specific goals in mind the goals are totally different right with a climbing training plan your goal is to get better at rock climbing (laughs) right it's not for you to like you know there aren't like aesthetic things that typically will go along with that that's just you know a lot of stuff um And like we mentioned in our last episode, you might build muscle as a result of eating enough and participating in a training plan, but it's not necessarily the same thing. So I know it's really easy to be like, 
caloric deficit and new training plan go together like peanut butter and jelly per the fitness messaging we've received all of our lives but like the sooner they you don't. can this is peanut butter and mustard do peanut not do buster that. and peanut butter and don't do that nope um so yeah and if you're if you're really like my doctor said that i need to lose weight like what i don't know if you have some kind of thing where you're like no i really think i need to lose weight that and but you want to be on a training cycle that's when i would be like refer to a qualified caitlin near you (laughs) 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 or like speak to someone about it because that will take more you know, that will mm-hmm. take more specialized advice to do it well. But in general, I personally wouldn't recommend trying to do that because you're going to be, yeah. if you're training hard, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be going hard and you will want to be fueled for that. Correct. Yeah. I think it's, it is challenging to kind of convey that too in the climbing sphere, because like you said, with it's so ingrained. Yeah, it, it is. And, and like, we've all learned it from a seemingly young age, but a lot of the information that's out there is not, it's really not a one size fits all for an athletic community. And certainly it usually doesn't apply to the climbing community. So there's a lot yeah, of layers. There. There's, there's a lot to that, but, but the point being, if you return to your basics, really just understand that sufficiency is going to look different between different people. So Focus on you and your needs. Make sure you're getting enough. And also give yourself the time and space to experiment with increased calories and also getting enough macronutrients too from carbs, protein, and fats. And understand too that this could take, you know, well into halfway through your training cycle to really feel like you firmly understand what works well for you. So yep. Absolutely. And then, yeah, just another thing I want to tack on to that. That's like, this is part of why we created our little thing that we did protein pals in the first place, because I realized that I was going to be trying to train pretty hard (laughs) and that I just hadn't checked in with my nutrition at all. And then all I did was participate in protein pals and actually log my protein. And I felt like just paying attention to it without doing anything fancy. I literally wrote the amount of protein in each meal in a note in my phone. I didn't track anything else. And I literally felt like just paying 10% more attention to what I was doing versus not paying any attention at all helped so much. And it also helped me realize that I was actually doing better than I thought. But it doesn't have to be complicated. Caitlin, if you were going to tell someone, if someone was like, I only have the mental space to track like one, maybe three things in an easy way, like what would you tell them to try to look at? Like just the most dirty minimalist <laughs> version of a nutrition, nutrition vibe check yeah, that different, uh, <laughs> mindset anyway <laughs> um, that's your instagram handle right dirt dirty dirt nutrition <laughs> hole digger right oh boy no that's not it no Shit. no <laughs> not this year. I, it wasn't about okay but you were a soil scientist so i thought this Back was just dirt Dirt nutrition. Dirt nutrition? Yes. No. Okay. Anyway, you know, <laughs> I've actually never thought about that. That's really funny. <laughs> Stupid. Um, but. Because you used to handle bags of dirt. <laughs> Still doing it. <laughs> okay, back to the quick and dirty version back of to, nutrition tracking. What would yes, you do? I would do protein, okay. just like you did, Lauren. I actually really like the approach you took because if you just quickly look at like, okay, rough guesstimate of what was in this based on the nutrition facts label, or if you like quickly look up online, like how many grams of protein in a quarter cup of 
whatever, you know, yeah. I think that that's really helpful because it takes away a lot of the other things that. Yeah. I personally mucky. still find calorie tracking a little bit triggering. So that's part yeah. of why I did not. And I was like, I'm going to parse this out. And mm-hmm. that worked really well for me. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad to hear that because I, I love that approach. So I think that that one is helpful, especially while you're starting a new training block. And especially, especially if it's a strength heavy training block mm-hmm. and I will say, I think climbers, because of the nature of what we do, a lot of even our endurance training involves a lot of strength. So oh, yeah. People don't. I had one athlete be who did Camp 512 with me, and he was literally like, the biggest thing I learned is that climbing is way more of a strength sport than I ever <laughs> thought. And I was like, I never thought of it as a strength sport. And I was like, what? We're wild. wild. <laughs> Where <have we> been? <laughs> He's like, this is a strength sport. And I was like, yes, sure fucking is. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> but I do think that other than protein, I would probably, maybe this will be kind of a surprise, but I would also kind of track water. <laughs> and <laughs> shout out me for sleeping like absolute horse shit the last two nights just waking up with the driest mouth going <sighs> and then i'm like i didn't drink any water and then i just yep. lay there for two hours weird when we sauna almost Desiccated. every day in a week that yeah. we're just dehydrated uh apricots on yeah you know, we really are I'm laying like, around anyway yep. <laughs> um so okay, protein and water got protein it protein and water Stop i think are the big me. ones yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you could even just like check a box literally like have some silly thing on your fridge where it's like okay protein monday through sunday water monday through sunday or like whatever times of day just yeah. check your boxes i think oh it's i helpful. will put my chore my link to my favorite fridge chore chart i'm yes. putting that in our, i'm putting making a chore note right now charts. i loved my chore chart it was it's literally for children but i thought it was great um sometimes that's what needs to happen Those yeah inner children they yes we're screaming um, yes anyway so <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a definitely a great idea. So there you have it. Uh, I would love to hear your second tip of the day. Yes. So my second tip, and if you have access to outdoor climbing literally all the time, just sit down. I'm going to ask you to sit <laughs> down for this because this is probably what you struggle with and you know it. But prioritize your training over sending outside. Mm. This is not forever, people. Okay. <laughs> but Stop yelling. <laughs> stop yelling at me. But hear me out. The problem, so there's kind of like, I don't want to say that there's two types of climbers, but there really are geographically kind of two categories I see people falling into. So there's people who live in places where the climbing seasons are really specific and you can really only do it. So I'm looking at you, Northeastern climbers, Romney, New Hampshire. Like there's certain part, or, you know, I'm just going to keep mentioning places I've rock climbed a lot. Like the Southeast, like the Red River Gorge. You probably don't want to climb there in the summer because you'll pass out. I've done it before. <laughs> and for some of you, you're new enough to outdoor climbing that you should just keep climbing out. So, okay, before I even get into this caveat, if you're super duper new to outdoor climbing and you want to get better at outdoor climbing, just go. The conditions don't matter. Just get reps in and go. If you are good enough to care somewhat about the conditions and you have a substantial amount of outdoor climbing experience, now this tip applies to you. So again, prioritize your training over sending outside. So with the two groups we have, people that have very specific weather windows for getting to climb outside, and then we have the people that can climb outside like all year round. Um, And I am now someone that's experienced both things. So I've lived 
in Utah where I can climb outside pretty much the whole year round if I'm willing to drive a little bit. And I've lived in Cincinnati and the Northeast where, you know, there's fall and spring and then there's do not climb, it's too hot and do not climb, it's too cold. It's easier to have defined training seasons and performance seasons when the weather sort of does it for you. It does get harder if you live somewhere where you have a lot of access to outdoor climbing. So, sorry for my people that kind of already have more defined training and performance seasons. You probably already get it. Train when outside sucks. (laughs) Perform when outside doesn't suck. But a bing, but a boom. There you have it. No more to say there. <laughs> we could talk more about it, but you kind of get it, right? For people that can climb outside a lot, this is what I'm going to say to you. Pick the time of year that is the best to call your performance season. And then the time of year that is less good generally or less convenient for you to get outside for whatever reason. That should be when you're training. Now, this does not mean that you cannot be getting outside on a training cycle. In fact, many of my athletes will be in training season and they're still getting outside one or two days a week if they live close to it. So you can still climb outside, but I wouldn't try to be climbing on your hardest thing ever because the goal is for you to be getting worked in the gym and for you to be building, building yourself up in the gym. Because So when you go outside, you're probably going to be a little bit more fatigued than normal and it's going to be harder to put up those, you know, like limit level, very hard ascents. That said, you can still be racking up sends, you can still be getting outside, you can still be getting doing whatever, but just know that you might be a little bit more beat down from training and avoid skipping your training all the time to perform better outside. This can be such a trap. And I definitely, um, Caitlin, let me ask you this, because I've fucked this up before. <laughs> so, so. I'm making a face. No one can see it except yeah. for Lauren. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> okay, so have you ever been like, I'm have you ever done this where you're like I'm totally in training season right now but then you like want to send something outside so you can being like sending then but then you either you're you're like really mad you're not sending or you keep taking shit tons of rest days in a row so you can go send outside and then you don't actually do your training have you ever ever done either of those Um, things I've done both of those (laughs) for many years in a row at the same time (laughs) (laughs) amazing do you have any do you have any specific examples um, that jump out I sure do Yep. Uh, so, uh, I will give last Roy season as an example, or I'll say like last spring. Okay. So that was like spring 2022 and we were going to Roy all the time, like every weekend. Amazing. Incidentally, that is when you also had me on a 12 week training block (laughs) and I was like, why am I not? Why is none of this happening? I feel worse than I've ever felt, but I'm super strong when I train. It doesn't add up. So then I would take many rest days, do none training, and then go into my climbing session and also climb like trash. I was like, this... You just had one foot in, one foot out, and it was not I working too well. I had no feet up. in anywhere. <laughs> I just was... Feet were in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Noodling around. This is what's happening. So, yeah, that that's... Uh, it's funny because you say it and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, makes sense. And then, and then in when practice, like, I'm like, la la, I do my own bad beta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, let me share, let me share the way I had like one foot in and one foot out and not the best way. And also I was getting ready to like move across the, co- it was whatever. <laughs> it's bad, but okay. So this is, this is what I did that I think was maybe not the best in hindsight. And I will not repeat this this year. There was some logic to it, but it was also bad. Anyways, so I was 
prepping to try to send my 13A project in Lander, which is limestone. And there was this really cool 12D that I had gotten close to sending the year before. So in my head, I was like, this would be really good. Like I could build some confidence and like rack up a bouldery limestone 12D send before going to Lander. Like that just seemed like a smart plan. Yeah. And I was like, I could probably do that along with my training. Hmm. Mm. And naturally, I could totally participate in a training cycle, try to send something pretty hard and also plan a wedding and get ready to move and get ready for the climbers festival in the same for it sounds like a really good idea are you hearing how good of an idea this was (laughs) listener it's not a good idea (laughs) so weirdly enough i got super sucked into trying to send this project and also july is like not the time to be trying this like people do send but it was particularly hot and i am resolving that i will not get on this rock climb until it's actually cold it also has a very heinous like 40 minute approach that's very steep like it just was i still don't think it was the worst plan i really thought it would go down faster but i think i was just so tired from moving and all the things it was just bad so net net my training suffered from whatever i was still trying to train and then i was trying to send this rock climb in dumb conditions and it was an awful plan and i didn't get to probably didn't train as much or as effectively as I could have. Like, I still think I could have gone out there and done it, but I definitely got sucked into sending the thing versus getting my training done and probably a little too much. So it's a hard, it can be a hard balance yeah. to strike there. Um, but maybe just if you are getting into something where you're trying to send something cool, like put some constraints around it, be like, we will, we will give it three sessions where we maybe sacrifice the training a little bit, but then after that, got to cut cut it off and mm. so that's that that can be the struggle of having access to outdoor climbing all the time and i have yeah. experienced it it's can be hard to manage but you know just remember try to get your training done and make outdoor climbing second just for part of the year then once it's performance season you're going to flip that on its head and training is just to maintain what you've built and then you're trying to get your ass outside as much as you can so question yes so <laughs> Uh, This made me think of it because in my head, my best training and performance seasons, or not best, but easiest or easily separated seasons was when I lived near Waco because I would, basically we'd start going from September through April Mm -hmm. and Usually my training season would start in like July, July, August. Okay, yeah. And I would try and peak, like I would have a mini peak, like maybe early October and then my biggest peak around like Thanksgiving, take a break over Christmas and then try and just like go have fun. And I would do training like in the winter months, but Mm -hmm. still it was mostly just about like climbing And then most of the summer was just like going and doing other stuff, not necessarily like projecting at my limit or anything like that. But do you think that, I guess my question, (laughs) I'm like, I know that worked really well, but in terms of prioritizing training, even during like a very long 
time frame, like mm-hmm. from September to March, April. Yeah. Do you think that it would have been better to like take a break from outdoor climbing to devote more time back to training in the middle of that? Or how many days a week were you climbing outside? Uh, two. I, I think that's say. fine. Okay. Like, I think it depends on how much time you have to climb outside. But for people that can cons- can consistently get outside too, I forgot to mention this, but you can call some of your outdoor climbing days training days. So I always tell people this, like if you have a project bouldering day and you can go do really hard boulders outdoors and then call that your hard boulder day, but you get to climb outside, like do that. As long as you're good about actually making the purpose of the session the same. Mm. Like if you're like, this is my outdoor hard day. And then you go to like one submaximal boulder (laughs) do it for 30 minutes and then leave like okay that is not mission accomplished but like if you can actually make your outdoor days serve a training purpose like I will build that in for some people so Mm -hmm. that's something to consider too like you can definitely count outdoor climbing as a training day um yeah so that's something to keep in mind too cool yeah I never because when I was down south I never had a coach necessarily like not somebody I was working with in like a professional context and I feel like I would get really frustrated halfway through my season and be like I trained so hard and now it's like you know it's kind of not there anymore and I would still train again but then it it was like the lines were a little bit blurred of what to do when to do it and why but I feel like this is clarifying yeah I also think it's not like this hard switch you're gonna flip either sure like for for some people you know obviously (laughs) another thing we run into is that like yeah our game plan for march is to start climbing and then it rains a shit ton right like you know just stuff happens so what's probably gonna happen is you're gonna have like you know let's say you're caitlin you're gonna start you know that it'll probably be good weather in april Mm -hmm. and you started your training like january 15th you're probably going to have like eight solid weeks where you're mainly focused on training and maybe not getting outside as much. Then as outdoor season gets closer in that last like four weeks or maybe it's like a 14 week block and becomes like four to six weeks, you're going to start climbing outside more and more and like shifting out of training mode and shifting Mm -hmm. more into outdoor mode by getting outside more often. So it's not like this like hard switch that flips, especially you're kind of like going with the gradient of the weather getting better essentially so that's something to keep in mind too and as you get closer to your outdoor objectives that's when your training should get more specific to prepare you for what you're doing so in that case it would make sense like if you can't you know if you have something local that you're working on that's when it would make a lot of sense to start getting out more and using that in place of your training Mm -hmm. days so okay yeah it's I would love for there to be like a perfect rule for this but it can be more of it's a little bit of an art to (laughs) figuring out when and how much to start transitioning your days of climbing inside to days of climbing outside if you do have access to that all the time that makes sense yeah i love it perfect okay should we take a quick little break sure sweet let's do it okay taking a break Caitlin, I have a cool story to tell you. Oh, yeah? What is it? So, this story is old. Like, Aesop's fables old. But it's pretty cool, and it involves a big bird we keep seeing around Santa Fe. Is it about a crow? Yeah, it's about a crow. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. (laughs) So, 
there's this crow, right? And he's been flying around, and he's really thirsty, and he finds this big pitcher of water. And the thing is, his beak isn't long enough to reach the water, so he tries and tries to knock the pitcher over. But he has bird bones, and he's way too light, and he's having a really hard time knocking it over. So instead, he gets wise. He takes his time, and he starts dropping little rocks into the pitcher to get the water to come to him. And eventually, after dropping enough rocks, our crow friend gets to be hydrated. So Caitlin, I have a question for you. What do you think the moral of the story is? If I had to guess, I'd say that a little thoughtfulness and a sustainable approach can go a long way. Bingo. Does this remind you of anything? This does sound a lot like what we teach in our group program, Breakthrough. It sure does. If you haven't heard already, Breakthrough is a 12-week group program combining the benefits of customized training, personalized nutrition coaching, and a massive amount of support and education along the way. No pottery smashing required. If you're ready to holistically improve your climbing, there's no better program than this. Breakthrough will provide you the expertise of two coaches and tons of motivation and accountability to stick with it throughout our 12 weeks together. The next round of Breakthrough starts on February 20th, 2023. You can learn more about Breakthrough by heading to the link in our show notes. My next tip is sort of building on the first one. So (laughs) unintentionally, but intentionally. And that is to dial in your routine. Mm, So I love this one. Yes. So this is one that I think I, I spend a lot of time on with my athletes because even if you're like, I don't need that, chances are could use some TLC in that department. So even I've worked on it, it's something that I continually revisit but anyway once you know what's sufficient in terms of your calories looks and feels like for you getting back into your routine is a really great next step and this of course looks different for everybody so you know when I say like meal time and consistency Mm -hmm. this might look like maybe breakfast at 7 a.m., lunch at 11 or noon, mm-hmm. and then maybe you have dinner at 6 or 7. You know, whatever your your division of the day looks like, but it should also include snack times if you're someone who likes to snack. Um, also, nutrient timing around your training session, so what you're eating before, during, and after. These are all things that I think when we're in a training season, it can feel easy to let go of this routine Mm -hmm. whereas if you're in a time frame when let's say I'll give another example of when I normally see this like January 1st is generally a time when a lot of people are like I'm gonna get back into a good routine that feels good then you're out of vacation you get back into work you start your training things are crazy and then that routine that you had or you wanted to continue developing gets a little bit wonky so or it's like not as sustainable as you thought it would be once life fully picks up post holidays (laughs) yeah I think it's it's easy to also have an idea and an expectation in your head of what that routine looks like and inevitably it's important to prepare and plan for those moments when maybe it it isn't going to be exactly as consistent as you want but 
those routines can stay fairly well established. So mm-hmm. similar waking times, similar bedtimes, similar eating times, and also just trying to stay as consistent as you can with all of the above is certainly important. Um, but for me, I talk about planning ahead because I think in terms of routine, we can be really rigid and we can be like, oh my God, I didn't eat at this time. Why bother with everything else? And the rest of the day is chaos. And mm-hmm. I think not only is routine important, but also flexibility in that routine is equally important. And so by this, I mean, you know, okay, do you have a busy week coming up? What can you do before that happens this week to help prepare? Maybe you prep your pantry, your fridge, your freezer for whatever you might need in terms of different foods or meals. And then what can you realistically plan for in terms of your meals and snacks? So it's, you know, it's finding that rhythm in your day to day that feels good for you, but also acknowledging that some days may not look like this routine you've established for yourself. It's just about finding that balance of overall, what is going to be the most helpful for you with your average day over time? Yeah, a hundred percent. Also, I just want to give people some insight into what it's like to live with a nutrition professional (laughs) who is of the caliber of Caitlin. But truly, I think what has, what I've learned like living with you is that you just have certain Okay, one thing I noticed is that Caitlin actually has a shit ton of frozen vegetables. Bazillions. Like a lot of them. Because emergencies happen. No, absolutely. (laughs) Because I feel like, okay, just this is just a tip within a tip. But this is like the thing I, that's like a big thing where I'm like, oh, we should just have this. Like Caitlin has a lot of stuff at her house that we can just like make stuff out of that's decent even if we haven't gone to the grocery store. So I think that's a big thing. I know we've talked about this in episodes before, but that has been pretty eye-opening to me like I know it's simple but literally Caitlin has you know because I feel like vegetables are the first thing to go mm-hmm. when stuff gets bonkers but yep. if, you have, if you have a freezer full of them that you can just like throw into stuff then that's pretty inexpensive and a good way to have some vegetable insurance policies that are always yeah. there for you well also when you need them that like if you think about routine too like oh today is my crazy day my routine is to go to the freezer and throw some frozen yeah. veggies into this meal like that's that yeah. can be built in doesn't yeah. have to be separate i also think it's good to reevaluate these things i'm going to use myself as an example so i set the goal of eating breakfast before 10:30 every day cuz i was like this goal accomplishes two things one i don't sleep in for a thousand years so i probably will have to go to bed <laughs> earlier and yada yada and then two i will actually eat breakfast at real breakfast time instead of calling my 1 p.m. meal breakfast cuz mm. that's chaos mm-hmm. yeah but what i noticed was that some days i sleep in and i just sleep extra especially when i'm on a training cycle sometimes i just sleep you need more sleep i just yeah. need more sleep i sleep forever and then i you know have breakfast at eleven fifteen because I woke up at ten fifteen and then I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. And I'm wondering, I'm like, I'm like, maybe I should change it to like eat breakfast within two hours of waking up because yeah. I do think sometimes when I wake up it's gonna change. Also if you're like, you lazy piece of shit not getting up until whatever, <laughs> listen, I quit my job and took the risk so that I could wake up whenever I fucking want to. Don't Damn yell it. At us. So Damn it. I traded a secure W two income to sleep until basically whenever I please. <laughs> and I don't want to wake up early unless I'm going skiing. Or Ryan <laughs> makes you get up at seven so you can leave the door at seven thirty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless I'm going skiing or rock climbing, I really don't 
don't want to see the dark part of the morning and that's just yeah, where I'm at. So that's fair. But, but I, I think that's a good point to yeah. like rearrange your mindset around what routine looks like. Like I think it can be it can be whatever you really need it to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, I feel like the other thing I had to talk with one of my athletes about this the other day, but the thing we kind of discussed was that you know there was some like analysis paralysis about like mm. making making opinions about what habits are good to pursue and which ones are not and i'm like maybe just decide it's like a two-week experiment and that you're gonna reevaluate later so maybe yeah. whatever decisions you're making about your routine don't act like they have to be for infinity and beyond just make them you know yeah it was for, not written at the dawn of time yeah i'm like this changed. isn't what you do forever this is what you try out for like three weeks or a month track it and then come back and see if that yep. works so it doesn't have to be this like you don't have to find the perfect thing you just have to find something you think is going to work and then try it and see if it needs changed kind of like what i'm doing right now so that yeah, is a good i love it <laughs> that is a good tip thank you caitlin okay yeah i guess this brings me to my final tip mm -hmm. which is i'm sure you will all be so shocked to hear me say this <laughs> <laughs> but it's for your winter training cycle take strength training seriously <gasps> weird <laughs> weird that i would say that <laughs> but i really do think the you're like you know if you're only doing one big training cycle that's 12 weeks long during the year and the rest will be like shorter ones this big 12 week training cycle is going to be so effective in building strength that will last you this year and beyond. Um, also, I'm like kicking myself because there's this really cool study that I looked at where I believe they compared a group of a group of athletes who did who strength trained for I can't remember it was six or eight weeks, and then another group of athletes that trained for twelve weeks, and then they measured their strength six months later. And the 12, the athletes who stuck with it for 12 weeks maintained strength a lot longer, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Y'all, I will do my best to find this study because it was so cool. But I do remember thinking, wow, it really is impactful to stick with strength training over like 12 weeks and beyond. So that's one thing. But I also want to bring up adaptation persistence. I've talked about this before, um, but I always think it's good to bring up again. So when it comes, adaptation persistence is essentially how long an adaptation sticks around after you stop training it. Endurance is something that is really easy to gain. You can build it up pretty quickly, but it's also easy to lose. So if you ever find, you know, I've talked about this before, but if you ever go back to climbing on ropes and you're like, oh my God, I got pumped out after two routes. And then you do like two or three more ses sessions and you're like, wow, I feel so much better again. That's because endurance comes back relatively quickly in the grand scheme of things. Strength, on the other hand, takes a long time to build. It's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. It takes a long time to build. And the good news is, though, is that it sticks around for a long time. So that's why we want to persistently strength train over the long haul, but we want to be taking strength training seriously. Like, we want to be building general strength, finger strength, all those things during our winter training block. Um, if you are, like... If you have the time for it, many athletes can get away with training strength like once a week. But if you have the time and you can get two strength sessions that are pretty decent in, I would do that <laughs> if you could, because yeah. that can be great. Um, let's see, Caitlin, before I dive into my last little point on this, do you have any questions, thoughts, concerns? I really think it just 
makes sense. Yeah. It's just one of those things that makes sense. I think it's easy to skip. I get it. But but that's the thing. I feel like um, me convincing uh, Lauren not to do endurance training. <laughs> I'm like, what if we just didn't do it? <laughs> and now that's today, so she's like, what if we do it today? And I'm like, but what if we never did it? Never did it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's maybe it's like relative to the person, but I feel like strength training this time of year makes sense because if I'm, I know you talk about not being that sore, but like, let's say that I, I sometimes feel sore after Mm -hmm. strength training. I would rather get that part out of the way now than be trying to go send harder outside or like get on harder routes not sending necessarily you don't want to be like middle through the year and be like oh I haven't tuned up my strength in forever and then just decide to like start heavy deadlifting while you're trying to like send that is not yeah that's not helpful for anybody (laughs) but I I think it I think it's helpful to know in that context yeah like build up your strength like build up a lot of strength reserves in your winter training cycle like build up the strength and power now so that you have it on lock to just be topping off and progressing a little bit throughout the rest of the year. Um, Also, one final PSA, sport climbers, I'm looking at you. (laughs) I have a wide expression (laughs) on my face. My eyebrows are raised. (laughs) Do not tell me that you are freaked out that you're going to lose all your endurance if you step away from a lot of endurance training during the winter. If you are you know if it's january and you're not going to be climbing outside until like late march early april or even later you don't need endurance right now you you don't you're chilling you're chilling you can you like not saying that you aren't gonna you know in the way that i write my programming you're still going to be training endurance a little bit but it does not have to be your focus you do not need full-on get blisteringly pumped climb for 120 feet at a 45 degree angle endurance all year round you do not need that Build strength is the foundation of endurance. So build strength. It will in turn support your endurance development. But don't worry about it. Worry about it as the season gets closer. Usually I say like you're going to want to take endurance. Like you'll be like keeping endurance like low and slow throughout. But then, you know, as you really approach like your outdoor climbing season, like in the four to six weeks, that's when you're going to want to hit it a little bit harder. But you don't necessarily need to worry about it you know, when you're like three or four months out from climbing outside, it's okay to take a step back and work on just getting stronger and, you know, doing some endurance, but not full Wumbo laps every day of the week. I was going to use that <laughs> as my excuse not to do endurance today. <laughs> also, <but>. okay. The, <laughs> the other thing is the endurance that, well, I'm, I'm focused on bouldering right now, but the other thing is that you can have, in, so there's a lot of shades of endurance. We should probably do a full episode on it, but the endurance I'm typically having people work on in the winter time is more of doing work the work capacity of doing a lot of hard moves in a session versus like get mega pumped. So it's more your ability to handle a lot of rock climbing that is Mm -hmm. pretty hard versus you being able to string together a bunch of really hard moves in a row, staying on the wall for like 90 seconds or two minutes. It's different. (laughs) It also, we're not going to go into this, but the way you're going to train endurance for, you know, a boulder bouldering objective versus like a long sport, you know, the way you're going to train endurance is going to be dependent on your objectives. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm using endurance as a blanket term here. But in general, remember how adaptation persistence works and take strength training seriously and use your winter training cycle to shore up strength and power. That is my third and final tip for you today. So, Caitlin, you want to take us home with your last tip? Yes, I will rip us right through this. But my third and final tip, so also builds on the others. I know. (laughs) I actually am going to want to, I'm looking at this, and I want to add on to this too. This is excellent. Great. Tell us So, (laughs) for me, you know, we talked about our basics. We talked about our routine. And finally, with all of this context, I want you to forget about perfection. Bye, perfectionism. Bye-bye. Yeah. You can't sit with us. <laughs> so I say this here because I think when I talk about basics and when I talk about routine, it is really easy for the perfectionist and a lot of us, many, many, many of you climbers, mm-hmm. we are perfectionists. I know this because... I am one and I also work with many. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's so important to talk about forgetting about perfection here because nutrition isn't quite like training where there's a proper form, for example, because realistically the best that best thing that you can do with your nutrition is to focus on yourself and understand your preferences, maybe your barriers, your needs, or anything else that is important to consider, like maybe your family members or other people you live and, you know, eat with too. Those are important factors as well, but ultimately taking an individualized approach that is consistent Mm -hmm. and sustainable for you is what's going to help take you through your training season and, you know, ideally life too with ease and with what your body needs. And I just, I feel like it's so easy to get wrapped up in making sure you have all of these things dialed in in a way Mm -hmm. that you are so rigid, you can't make a change. And that's, that's not what we're saying here. Nutrition is a very imperfect science and you are the only one who knows exactly what's going to work for you. And also, you know, I can tell you the science, but sometimes we, we don't run on math. So we yeah. never run on math. So I sometimes run on math. <laughs> I used to run on math. Yes. Yep. If you're an engineer, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Debatable. I still miss math sometimes, but I don't run on math. Lauren's the only one in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I run on food here. Um. Yeah. Wait, did I ever tell you? It was a tangent. Did I ever tell you about the time I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, I used to be so good at math. And I oh, no. somehow got myself into like a 3 a.m. Reddit thread about people that miss doing hard math and ways to like do more math in your life. I never. Now I just do the nerdle every day and that's like my daily dose of math. It's not really hard, but yeah, that was a weird time. I was like, I miss doing math. My brain used to do hard things and now I can't even like calculate. You've never told me about that, but I feel like I often have that mindset around like specific nutrition information. Like I, I miss digging into really challenging and hard concepts. Like today I read a paper about, cold weather exercise and how it can be a (laughs) a regulator of mitochondrial uh synthesis and biogenesis and i stay tuned for our cold weather episode because caitlin was reading up a storm about it (laughs) so (laughs) reading all all fun things about really 
annoying DNA things. Anyway, <laughs> um, so that I feel I feel that I empathize is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think but you know now I just make memes. Now you make memes. <laughs> now I make memes. <laughs> so <laughs> time. thanks, college. <laughs> <laughs> yes but Um, i yeah yeah. i love this i feel like some other things with this perfection mindset that i want you to all be aware of too is that you might consider getting rid of anything that makes you focus too much on that perfectionist Mm -hmm. or those nagging thoughts you might have about oh my god i didn't do it right or the right way or the correct way so few things that I often think of that, you know, take it with what your needs are and what you might be, you know, resonating with. But sometimes ditching the scale during training mm-hmm. season is important because we don't care about that. It doesn't matter. We care about getting stronger and supporting that with yep. nutrition. So bye-bye. Numbers be damned. Um Also, ditching those diets might resonate with you because, again, as we talked about, understanding your personalized needs and your basic nutrition goals are more important than a specific diet that so-and-so tried once three years ago and had success for a grand total of two weeks on. So anyway, don't. uh, Yeah, that's just an idea. Um, Also, unfollow Instagram accounts that really don't make you feel great or maybe make you stress out about nutrition. I think it's, you know, you could you could mute them for a minute. Yep. Or just unfollow because ultimately if that information is not helpful to you and where you are and doesn't make you feel good, you don't need it popping up randomly while you're scrolling through Instagram and acting as a really fun trigger halfway yeah. through your day. So, yep. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um but the last thing I'll say there is that if you're worried about this, you know, concept of falling off or failing or getting out of your routine and not really getting your basics and you know that you do well with accountability and mm-hmm. support, you might consider working with professionals and in the nutrition scope, working with a qualified nutrition professional, just like you would within the training world. So making sure that you're supported along the way is a really great way to tackle a lot of these things, though it's not mandatory. It can be helpful just to understand the basics, develop a routine, and also understand that learning is a part of life and also it changes as you go. So yeah. There you have it. 100%. Um, I kind of want to tack on to this as well. This is my tip three and a half now. <laughs> but Love it. Another problem. Okay, this kind of ties in with perfectionism. Another problem I see with athletes, especially ones that have not completely stuck with a 12-week training cycle before, is that one, they don't, they decide training doesn't work because they actually haven't stuck with it long enough mm. to see it actually work out. Um, and I see that this is another reason why I say like, 12 weeks is a good amount of time because usually it's like around the week six through eight mark where people are like, man, I've been doing this a lot, but I, it doesn't seem like anything crazy's happened. And then around week 10 or 11, people are like, oh, weird stuff's happening. I'm all doing good. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, just takes time. And also you probably needed like a deload week to recover because you're just building up all this fatigue. But anyways, if you know you struggle with picking a plan and seeing it through and if you abandon ship for something else a lot that would also be a good time to mute all of the 
lot of training ideas and noises you might hear from and i'm not even offended if you're like i'm not listening to your podcast for a few months about the training stuff because i don't want to get some crazy idea and then abandon the ship like training plans will work if you actually do them as written and stick with them for the prescribed amount of time if you keep abandoning ship or changing the way you're doing things or changing everything or not tracking what you're doing it will not work so i would highly recommend to caitlin point adding to your unfollow list unfollow anything that makes you want to like bail on what you're already doing that's probably going to work and switch to something else because if you keep skipping around to different shit nothing will work and you'll just feel like nothing works i'm like well nothing you do for three weeks works (laughs) but yeah yeah so get rid of that too yeah i think it's probably also worth saying that you know sometimes what we see on instagram it's just better to put the blinders on anyway i think that we see a lot of the good and like the best parts of people's lives on instagram we don't see them through the lens of like the worst of the worst days and i think we see that more often now possibly but Mm -hmm. oftentimes too i think that it's it can still really be challenging to even see that information where you're like oh they're failing and they're doing everything you know xyz like it's really hard to yeah. not insert ourselves in the things that we see yeah. if so you, if you're already yeah. struggling with comparison or something like that get rid of just Blinders do yourself a on. favor and get rid of anything that's not serving you in that yep. department um, yeah yeah so unfollow anything on instagram that makes you want to jump ship and abandon your already probably good plan and try something else so yeah yeah absolutely yep that's cool well i think we can we can wrap Ooh, should we let's all quickly summarize all of all of our tips so we went through six tips today um first tip from me was work on your big picture weaknesses caitlin's first tip was go back to your basics then next we had prioritize your training over sending outside. We also mentioned that you need to dial in your routine and taking us home. I told you that you needed to take your strength training seriously. And lastly, forget about perfectionism. So those are your six tips for today. It has been a blast and hopefully you feel more empowered to get a lot out of your winter training cycle. And as Caitlin mentioned before, if this all sounds like a lot and you're like wow i would like a help please (laughs) hamburger helper i I would like an assist i would i need a thing (laughs) um as a reminder this is what caitlin and i help people with all the time um and if you are interested in the combination of both training and nutrition breakthrough is honestly the best way and the best deal frankly to get a ton of value and education out of both of us so yeah, it's actually I I'm like if you add it like if you tried to do a la carte the services I'm offering with this and then a la carte the services Caitlin offers within it's many more monies. It would be a lot more money <laughs> and yep. a lot less convenient because Caitlin and I wouldn't be actively, you know, communicating there for you, there for you <laughs> at the same time. And you also would not be seeing our faces nearly as much. So a tragedy. So there you have it so there you there you have it indeed okay well i so don't forget to apply for breakthrough february 9th is the last day to apply and get the early burb discount be bourbon be burbs (laughs) 
<laughs> you want to save $400 and spend it on two new pairs of shoes or there you go. Yeah. Or just literally anything else. So or just save it. Save your money. Join us. February 9th. February last 9th, day. Last day. Early burp. Uh, early burp discount. So if you need more information about Breakthrough, check out our last episode or go to the linkity dinkity in our show notes. Um, I think that is about it. Um, leave us a review. Check out our Patreon. Okay, that's Thanks it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know why I needed to do a weird voice for that, but <laughs> all right. All right. I think we can, we can close it out there. And until next time... Keep, Keep it, it average. average. With <laughs> finger guns Pretty to each good. other. <laughs> <laughs> we did finger gun each other. <laughs>We hope you feel excited to embark on a holistic and solid training cycle. Now I'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. Breakthrough Group Coaching is coming back for round four. Our signature group program combines custom training, personalized nutrition coaching, education, and group motivation. It's a one-stop shop for holistically improving your climbing. Early bird registration ends on February 9th, so don't miss out on your chance to save $400 off enrollment. You can learn more and apply at the link in our show notes. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Caitlin, and my co-host, Lauren. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and Lauren on her Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. Editing for this episode was done by my co-host, Lauren Abernathy, and music for this episode was created and produced by Devin Dabney. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com to learn more about the other shows on this network.